Thank you. Have a seat. Appreciate that. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Pillar Church of Oceanside. And I see they're already on it, but if you are kindergarten through fifth grade, you're in that treehouse class. Line up at the back. And we have a fantastic couple of volunteer teachers from our Lions team. They're rocking and rolling, just stepping in right away and volunteering, helping out, filling those needs. So definitely appreciate that. For the rest of you, as I usually say, you're stuck in here, so um, it's a good thing, right? Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. We are in Matthew chapter 7. Yes, I'm positive. As soon as I started saying it, it sounded wrong, but it's definitely Matthew chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there as, as a kind of help us get back up to speed real quick. I'm not going to go deep into where we've been because I'm going to hit on that as we go. But we are walking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which of course we see in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So we only have a couple of weeks left, uh, two more after this, and then we're going to transition into our, our next thing. But it's, it's been very challenging to, to walk through this and preach through this. I would encourage you, man, a couple of times a year, just take the 30 minutes and read through the Sermon on the Mount. Those three chapters, it will cause you to reflect in ways that, uh, man, that really push you to understand what kingdom living is like, what the kingdom of God really actually looks like. And so as we continue in our study, uh, we're, gonna, we're going to be challenged. We're going to be pushed in a direction of looking at the way that we live our Christian lives different than the way the world would tell us to live. And so we're going to read together. Hopefully you have some a copy, some app, some something of God's Word. Of course, it will be on the screen as well. But I would definitely encourage you to put your eyeballs on the Word of God, preferably in the one that you read regularly so you can take notes and things like that. But we're in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7, and this is what we see. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or, which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you again, Father, in the name that is above all names, asking, Lord, that you would give us now uh, hearts to receive. God, would you set aside in us all distraction, anxiousness, worry, anything that's keeping our minds and our hearts from receiving the truth of the gospel message from the word that is life. God, would you help us to set those aside now and, and turn our attention, our focus to your word. God, help it shape our lives. God, let us not leave this place the same. Lord, your, your word is transformative. God, it transforms our lives and everything that we do, say God would help us. Help me, Lord God, to preach the truth of your word with clarity, uh, wisdom, Lord God, and help me to 
and discern, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit, exactly what this body needs to hear this morning. Pray for your help and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Questions along the way? There's a number on the board, um, on the screen, also in your bulletin, same number, uh, 303-1353. Uh, we'll come back up here at the end of the service. We'll, we'll walk through those, some of those questions. This is a really good way to interact um, and hopefully get you a little bit more involved because a lot of times when you're just kind of sitting there and you don't really have a role in this, it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. But if you can actively like look for ways to interact, uh, as Mike calls it, stump the chump, um, of course, that's not what we're after, but if there's some clarity or something that we can bring, is that funny? Yeah? You think? Yeah? Yeah. Well, that's what Mike calls it, okay? I just call him the chump. He's not here, so I can talk about him. Anyway, before we derail any further, text your questions into that number if you, if you like to. Okay, so how many of you prior to this have heard those words that I just read? Raise your hand real high. Ah, so most of us are fairly familiar, heard versions of that. It's like, okay, yeah, ask, seek, knock. I kind of get that there's something in there. So what is it then that we're talking about here this morning? Ultimately, it comes down to prayer. This is actually a passage on, on prayer, particularly prompting us toward kingdom-minded prayer. So it's a little bit more focused. We spent not too long ago in Matthew 6 some time talking through the Lord's Prayer. So if you're with us there, you know, we went... Uh, into some of the how-tos. What does it look like? Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, and we, and we talked through that. So we did get some wisdom, of course, and uh, how to pray and what that looks like. But also included in that prayer in Matthew 6 is sort of the foundation of what we're talking about this morning, and that is, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's how Jesus instructs us how to pray. It's your kingdom your will. And so where we're going with this this morning is ultimately here. Kingdom-minded prayer leads to kingdom action. So if there's something that's going to kind of help guide us through this, it's that kingdom-minded prayer leads to kingdom action. So now when you read this initially, you may not think right away like, oh yeah, this is, this is about prayer. I can see that clearly. Um, some might even say that this is a passage about getting what we want from God. I mean, it's kind of what it says, right? Ask and, and you'll get it. So I can just go and, and ask whatever I want. And according to this scripture, God's going to give me everything that I want. That's what it says, right? It does, though. It just says, ask and you'll get it. So don't tell me no. That's what it says. You want to fight about it? Many people have. Now, herein lies the danger of taking a scripture out of context and making it say whatever we want to say. Not using the context around to help inform it and not using the principle that scripture interprets what? Scripture interprets scripture. We don't have the luxury of just taking things and going, okay, um, God says he's going to give me whatever I want, so I'm going to build an entire belief system around this, and, and people have done that, um, and they have done very well in that, because a lot of times people, not a lot of times, all the time, people like to hear good things. I'm going to get whatever I want? Sweet. Okay, this is not the point of the message, necessarily, but I do want to make, uh, make it very clear that when we are reading the Bible, we are obligated to look at the entire context around 
what we're reading and utilizing all of Scripture, the full counsel of God, to help inform what we're reading. So if that's not a part of your, your regular Bible reading and you're like, how do I do this thing? Step one is to really begin to do that. We never take a Bible verse by itself and try to understand it or make it say something. Does that, that make sense? Okay. Uh, again, it's not the point of the message, but um, this process is going to help us this morning. I'm going to utilize this, uh, hopefully, in a very clear way. The foundation of a particular belief system um, has done just what I, what I said this morning. We've taken that, that sort of idea of, of God just giving us whatever we want, um, known as the prosperity gospel in some circles, tell, which tells us that God wants us to be rich and happy above all else. And you can see pretty clearly how they take from the scriptures that and build that doctrine. I mean, I just kind of argued against that, right? You can't tell me it doesn't say that God's going to give me everything I want because I just read it. So we see how... Um, that, how that can go that direction. But we're going to use plenty of scripture this morning. We're not going to do that. And in fact, Phil was like, man, you're using a lot of scripture this morning. And like he was accusing me of, of something wrong. He didn't say that. He's like, I like it. The more scripture, the better. That's great. Um, but we're going to go through a healthy amount of scripture this morning as we kind of dig a little bit deeper than maybe you want to in the ask, seek, knock category. But why? So we can have confidence that we know what God is trying to communicate to us. We have to understand what it is, but also we have to be able to grasp and digest what he's saying. It's not enough just to have a, a head knowledge of that and go, okay, yeah, I get it, check the box. But what does that actually mean when you have to go into prayer tomorrow morning and begin to apply that? The why factor is extremely important in being faithful and consistent. And it's challenging. There's not a section in the Sermon on the Mount that doesn't push us or challenge us in our way of thinking, right? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's tough. It's backwards from everything we see around us. We've called it the upside-down kingdom, right? The countercultural lifestyle that Jesus is describing can be difficult to hear, especially if we're more in tune with the world around us. Right? The harder it is to hear those things is sometimes an indication that we are more in tune with the things around us of the world that are counter to what we're doing. So use that kind of as a litmus test as well. However, by God's grace, right, he loves us, he encourages us, he surrounds us, forgives us, and he positions us to move in the direction of being kingdom-minded. So as we fall, you know, into the ways of the world and we kind of get sucked up into that thing, it's going to happen, right? We, we, we do that because of our sinful nature and our desires for those things, but God is gracious, and he gives us all that we need to make the shift toward more consistent kingdom living. All right, three words that we're looking at, ask, seek, and knock. Again, all of them are referring to prayer, and all of them are imperatives. Jesus saying, do these things, right? We have to take note of when God is saying to do things, um, this is very clear. It's not an option. When, when you pray, like, do this, ask, seek, knock. But not only that, the grammar here really allows for a better translation to say, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking, right? It's an ongoing thing. You can't really see that in some of the Bible translations, but that's the way that the grammar makes it very clear, like this is ongoing, regular part of the Christian walk. It's not a, a one-time thing where I'm going to ask for this and then hope that it comes to pass and then never 
you know, go back and re revisit that. We are continually walking, seeking, knocking, etc. So what we can glean from this then is that God expects us to regularly come to him in this kind of prayer. If we're to keep on going in this behavior, God expects us then to continue to come to him regularly. And we have to. We have to be in this regular habit. But let's talk about these three words and, and how God wants to come to us in prayer to him. So this is where we're going to really going to get some help from these other scriptures. And I'm going to kind of walk through some of these quickly initially. Um, if you want the scriptures on the back end and you, you're trying to keep up with them, I'm happy to share those with you. So we're going to use some scriptures from around the Bible to inform what we're talking about when it comes to asking. Um, and we already know that the context of this scripture is what? It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's kingdom living. It's challenging our way of living and looking at our Christian walk. So that's kind of already we know it's going to be a little bit challenging. So, all right. Ask. All throughout scripture, we see God telling us to ask. It's not just here that we see this in the scripture. So I'm going to read a few things, and then we're going to talk about that. So I'm going to read some scriptures, and then we'll backtrack and go over that. So back in the Old Testament, God spoke directly to Solomon, and this is what he said in 2 Chronicles 1.7. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask what I shall give you. And I'm not going to give you a lot of the context. You can go back and read and figure out what's happening. But essentially, we're talking about God making, uh, making it known that he desires us to ask him. So this is God speaking directly to Solomon in the Old Testament. So let's look at a few examples from Jesus then again. Look at Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. They ask. There's an ask part of this equation, right? John 14, 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What do we got next? One more from Jesus. John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and do so Oh, and so proved to be my disciples. A few months ago, we went through James, and we learned a little bit more about this kind of asking. So let's look at James 1, 5, 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. But the person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Flip over to James 4. You desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. We see some patterns emerging. Two more scriptures and then we'll talk about it. John writes in 1 John 3, 22. And whatever we ask, we receive for him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And then finally, John 5, 14 and 15. 
And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Okay, there's a lot going on there. And initially, as I'm walking through that, you can see how if you just take portions of all these little scriptures, you can actually build a pretty good um, stance for what I was arguing about against earlier, that God can give you whatever you want. God will give you whatever you want. But if we begin to take all of these together, here's what we begin to see. We must belong to the Father first and foremost. If you abide in me and my word abides in, in, in you, there has to be a relational thing going on here. We must belong to the Father. We have to be a part of his family and his kingdom. So it's not just that anybody can come and ask, right? So that's, that's one thing that we, we see that. Next, we see that these things are given for a purpose beyond our own need. Yes, he gives. He says that very clearly. That my Father may be glorified. There's an additional purpose in the things that we're asking for. And our prayer life should begin to include things that will bring God glory as a result of what we're asking for. Let me give you a really simple answer, and you can translate this into other areas of your life. If you're like me, who has a hard time remembering things, my memory is, is not great, that I would pray, Lord, would you please increase my ability to, to, to remember things. I want to be able to remember things, not because I feel like it's going to help me in my um, family life or any kind of thing, but so that I can memorize your scripture more effectively, that I can pour, point people more effectively to you. Right? Is it going to help me that I can remember things better? Of course, absolutely. But it goes beyond that. And that is glorifying God because there's an additional purpose in that. So that's just a really simple example, maybe a little bit too simple, but you understand what I'm getting at. Um, and that's where we start to shift into the kingdom-minded prayer. It goes beyond just asking things for us. What can I ask of God that would actually help to glorify his name, if that makes sense? The things we ask must begin to include ways that God can be glorified. I'm not saying you got to jump all the way into this, this um, end of the pool and, and everything that you ask is focused on how I can fully glorify God and everything I'm doing, right? We, we walk through this step by step and um, extremes can be, can be challenging and dangerous, so we don't want to do that either. You're tracking with me. I think, I think you get what I'm saying. What else about our asking? It must be in faith. We learned that in James, but that was pretty clear to us. Or we should not expect anything in return. Like, there has to be a faith aspect attached to what we are believing for. Or we shouldn't expect anything that we're asking for. That's pretty basic. But it reveals something to us important. I don't think anything exposes what we really believe like our prayer life. And I'll say that one more time. I really don't think there's anything that exposes what we believe like how we pray. What do I mean by that? When we ask for things in prayer, which we all do, are we believing for the miraculous, sort of God-only kind of things? In other words, if we're to ask in faith, which we know that we are, we just read that, are we limiting what we ask for based on what we think God can do? Are we asking God for things 
and limiting what we ask for based on what our level of faith is or what we think God can accomplish. Or worse yet, are we praying and believing for things that we know that somehow we can have an impact in seeing it come to fruition? You see how the level of faith really ties directly into what we're asking for? Kingdom-minded prayer has to be bathed in faith. Like, it has to be the thing that we are grounding what we're asking for in. God, I cannot do this, but you can. There is no way that I can repair this relationship, but I'm seeking after you, asking with faith to believe and know that you can. I can't. You see, faith is critical to this kingdom-minded prayer. It involves praying and asking for things that only God can do kingdom-minded prayer. Our level of faith, again, directly tied into this. We have to broaden our scope of what we're asking for and increase our level of faith as we begin to consider this kind of kingdom-minded prayer to things that go way beyond our control. And I don't know about you, but I know a lot of times <laughs> I have limited that to, okay, what, can I, what do I have my hands on? <laughs> like this financial thing over here, like maybe I can get an extra job or I can do this. And I'm going to pray for that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help God out in, in how I'm going to go about doing that. That's not faith. That's limiting what I'm asking for based on my faith or my limited understanding of who God is. That's not kingdom-minded kind of, of prayer. So just be considering that as we're walking through this message um, we also see in James that it has to be for the right reasons, right? We're not supposed to ask so that we can spend it on our own passions, right? That goes right against that prosperity gospel that I was talking about earlier that would tell you God wants to give you everything just for you. Um, spend it on whatever you want. Buy a big car, big house, fill your bank accounts. So that's, that's in direct opposition to that. But additionally, we see God responding to people asking who keep God's commandments and ask according to his will. So there's some, some things here that we need to get right. Two very significant pieces here. Obedience to what God commands us and asking according to his will. Now, I can't think of a, a, a more clear example of this than Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? If you think back to those few hours right before Jesus was arrested, he's praying, asking, asking, pleading with the Father, Lord, if there's any way that this cup would pass. So you see... Jesus asking, Lord, let it pass. I mean, just any other way that it can be. Nevertheless, whose will be done? Your will be done, Father, not mine. So that's two in one. We see Jesus praying in the will of God, but we also see him walking in obedience when he gets the answer. It's like, keep going. I hear you praying. I, I hear you're asking with tremendous faith, keep walking. Obedience follows right behind that. But we have to be praying in the will of God in our prayer life. It's not just about asking for anything we want. So I'm sorry if I'm bursting your bubble in that. Uh, prayer goes way beyond that. Now, does that mean we can't come to God and ask for things in prayer that would be beneficial to us and that we might enjoy? Uh, again, don't jump into the category, oh, no, I can never ask for anything that's going to be good for me or, or that is enjoyable to me that has anything to do with the kingdom of God. Don't, don't hear me say that you have to be uh, in one extreme 
or the other. So we, we have to find wisdom and balance in all of this. Okay, moving on, seeking. That was the asking. Let's look at seeking and knocking uh, before we go a little bit deeper. We can look back to chapter 6, Matthew 6, Seek what? Seek first the kingdom of God. We can stop right there. <laughs> the seeking that we're talking about here is a priority. This is a, what we do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you that's talking about all the things of this world, the clothes and the, the food and the shelter and all those things. You're not supposed to be worried about those things. You seek first. So there's an element of priority when we're talking about seeking. Constant in the life of a kingdom-focused believer is to keep and seek on keeping. Uh, keep on seeking, rather. So let's look at some scriptures again. Um, uh, this time we're going to unpack them as we look at them. So let's look at Deuteronomy 4.29 and see what we can learn about seeking. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. So in this reference, if you look back in Deuteronomy right now, Israel is kind of abandoning God. They're doing their own thing, worshiping idols and doing all these things that they shouldn't be doing. And so in this moment, God is saying, look, seeking me with all of your heart and with all of your mind and all of your soul means giving up on everything else, laying it all out on the line. That's the kind of seeking we're talking about here. Nothing else is going to get in the way of me seeking after you in that kind of reckless abandon with all your heart and all your soul. That's a different kind of seeking than just casually walking up to God in prayer and saying, oh, Lord, you know, Right? You see that there's a, a very big difference in the kind of seeking that we're talking about here. Everything is on the line, and we're setting everything else aside. But in that, our hearts can't be worried or burdensome or downcast. We have to rejoice as we're seeking. Check out 1 Chronicles 16.10. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Wow, we celebrate who God is where we just... Tell him who he is. Remind ourselves of how amazing and wonderful he is. We praise God as we seek him, our hearts rejoice. That's a part of the process. In our seeking, our hearts rejoice of who we're seeking after. That's a big deal. That's important. We have to do that as we seek him. But here comes the work part. It's not going to happen by itself. Look at 1 Chronicles 22, 19. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What does that say again? Uh, man, I have to do something? Pray and seek, turn. Okay. So there's an intentionality here then of actually going and seeking and setting my heart to do the things that I'm doing. It's not going to happen by itself. In fact, if we just pull back and seek the things that we desire, we're going to land in the things of this world because that is our main draw, right? Um, by God's grace, as we continue to grow and mature, we can push back against that pull from the world of all those old ways of living, those things that satisfy the desires of our flesh that we really just enjoy doing in our flesh. 
we begin to grow and move beyond those things. But we set our heart, we set our mind, we set our souls in seeking after. That's intentional. Like we have to push and do those things. That make sense? Okay, I'm just checking in, make sure you're still awake. As we grow, we learn to become more aware of where our hearts and minds are in Christ. It's just part of, of how we mature and grow. And in community, we help others to see as well where we are on that scale. In our seeking, now here's an overlap from the kind of asking we, we really need to do. We ask, we ask confidently when we walk obediently. And we seek in a similar fashion. Here's 2 Chronicles 7.14. Did I just did that one, right? No, you skipped the I did skip the previous one. You're right. Can you go back to that? That's why I'm all confused. 1 Chronicles 22.19. This is going to make a lot more sense. Oh, come on, Phil. Second Chronicles 22, 19. Oh, I want them to see it. Thank you, though. Wait for it. That's all right. What I was going with, and I jumped ahead in my notes, but I was reading the, the other scripture, is the idea of setting and being intentional um, rather than what I'm talking about here. Um, We'll come back to it, Phil. You're good. Sec What's that? It's coming. It's not. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, this is the next one. Yeah. Um, we're going to move on. We'll come back. I promise. Second Chronicles 7.14. This is sort of the, some of the conditions of the seeking that we ought to be doing, right? Seeking my face, turning from their wicked ways, um, there's action involved, humbling ourselves, right? So there's that aspect of obedience to God in kingdom-minded prayer. We've got to seek His face while simultaneously striving to walk in obedience. Okay, one more scripture on seeking. Um, Hebrews 11.6. Got that one, maybe? Okay, cool. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So we seek in faith, just like we ask in faith. We seek in faith that we're going to find what we're seeking after with diligence and expectations. Why? Because he rewards those who seek him. Our hearts are turned to the Lord, celebrating our God, joyfully, diligently seeking after him with firm faith and belief that he hears us and responds as a gracious father. So I'm going to read that scripture for you just so we can close that. Luke, 1 Chronicles 22:19. This is the because this is actually part of the biggest maybe shift in what we need to do. Oh, of course it is. Thank you. <laughs> now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord. Okay, that goes on because this is as they're building the temple. And this is the command as what they should be doing now. You're about to build this glorious temple for the Lord. 
It's going to be amazing and beautiful. But set your mind and your heart to seek the Lord that as you do it, you're doing it with the right heart. You're doing it with the right mind, with the right motives. So as we're seeking the Lord in our prayer, in our kingdom-minded prayer, we have to intentionally set our heart, set our mind, keep our minds focused on the things that are above, not below. You get what I'm talking about here. Thank you for that. Moving on, wrapping things up. Third, we're going to knock. Now this one really points, I think, uh, with an emphasis on praying to discern the will of God. A lot of times when we think about doors, we think about paths with multiple options like, okay, do I go through this door? Do I go through this door? Like, what is it that we're talking about here? So we have confidence, we should anyway, have confidence that God will reveal to us the path that we should be going down as we walk in obedience to pray in His will and seek the path and knock. So... I think of Paul's first missionary journey, right? So they're all over the Mediterranean. They're all over Asia Minor. Paul and his crew preaching the gospel all over the place and seeing tremendous things happening. And then when they get back to Antioch, the very first thing that they do is gather the church together and Paul begins to tell everybody what was happening. So this is what he says in Acts 14, 27. And when they arrived and they gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So you can be quite certain, and we can read the accounts through Acts and through the other letters, that Paul and everybody with him was diligently praying on exactly how they should be carrying out their mission. Like, Paul knew he was set on a journey. He knew what he was supposed to do in general, but I am certain that every moment was praying, Lord, where are we going? Lord, what are we doing? What place are we going next? What synagogue am I going to? How am I going to get every moment bathed in prayer as they're knocking, seeking, asking? And we see here God opening in a door to the faith of the Gentiles. It's, it's one example in that. God responds by opening doors along his God-ordained path. And so later, actually, when Paul is planning out his travels, uh, he tells the, the church at Corinth this in 1 Corinthians 16. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. Now hold on, Phil. Just in his language, there's, there's just a flexibility in, in how he's talking about. Like, I intend to do this. Perhaps I'll stay here. And that's just an openness to knowing that God can immediately shift the direction and go that way. It's not, I'm going here, I'm doing this, no matter what. Now, if you're set and you know that God has called you to do that and you are confident, by all means. But if you're knocking to try to figure out, or like, where am I going? It's a good idea to kind of just, all right, God, what am I doing? Where am I going? Help me out with this. And you kind of see that in his language. But go on to verse 7. For I do not want to see you now, just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. There it is again. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. No, oh, that can't be it. See what happens, Phil, when I put all these scriptures in here. I blame you, Phil. 16, 9 through 8. Oh, nine. For a wide door of effective work has been opened to me, 
and there are many adversaries. So he closes out this whole thing of saying, I want to go here. I want to come visit you in Macedonia, if the Lord permits. But for right now, what I'm doing right now, a wide door has been opened to me to preach the gospel. Although there's tons of adversaries, there's a lot of things that are going on. God has made it clear as I'm knocking and finding where he's going, this wide door has been opened to me. So we knock to find the way in which God is leading. His direction, His will, and we are steadfast in prayer, listening, hearing, and then responding in obedience, just like Paul. Now, does that mean that we're going to have every detail of every situation answered for us? Of course not. But we have enough to take the next step in faith to go in that direction. So we knock. All right, that wraps up the ask and seek and knock. But really briefly, there's another principle that we can uncover in all this, and that Jesus tells us that no earthly father gives anything to his child something bad on purpose. And if earthly fathers can do that in their evil and broken ways, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask? So here's another way of looking at this, and it's kind of a kingdom-minded backwards kind of thing. God will not give us what will ultimately harm us. God will not give us what will ultimately harm us. It may not be what we want. It may not be what we're asking for. But we know that it's for our good and for God's glory. And will not ultimately harm us. And here's why it's important to bring this up. Because when we hear all good things, God's going to give you all good things. We automatically think about the stuff that we're going to like and that we want and desire, right? Don't we have that tendency? God's going to give you all good things. Oh, great. I'm going to get everything I ever wanted. We can see that tendency toward that sort of wrong thinking. A lot of what God gives us falls in that category, thankfully. Grateful for that. But it's not limited to that. It's not limited to all good things by our definition. One commentator categorizes that at this. All this thing, all these things rather, everything that is necessary for the spiritual and eternal good of his people. It may hurt or even cost a great deal, but God is faithful to give us exactly what we need when we need it. We just need to keep asking, seeking, and knocking with that kingdom focus that drives us deeper in our faith and reliance upon God. So does God give all good things to his children? Yes. But what all good things look like need to go through the lens of scripture and through kingdom-minded prayers. Finally, we lead up to this last passage. Now some of your um, Bibles may have had that last verse that I read, verse 12, as a part of the next section, and we don't need to be confused by how all those things are laid out. This ultimately is, is where God is, is leading this passage the golden rule. So how many of you are familiar with the golden rule? Let me see those hands again. Real high. Real high. The golden rule. Even if you're not really sure what the golden rule is, you've heard of the golden rule. Like there is a rule and it's golden. Absolutely. And we can say a lot about this topic and we're not going to. Uh, if we want to later on explore um, some different things about that. The reason I work so hard to, to kind of push us in the direction of kingdom-minded asking, seeking, and knocking is because this is where Jesus wraps up this particular section. Being kingdom-minded 
leads to kingdom action. That's what I opened with, but let's see what that transpires to. Being kingdom-minded in prayer leads to kingdom action. In this case, whatever that you wish others would do to you, do also to them. Summarizing the golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated, however you want to fill in the blanks. But here's the deal. When we are primarily focused on trying to determine what God wants of us, striving to walk in obedience, we can't help but look at other people differently. We can't. So the golden rule here, again, I'm going to burst some bubbles, is not there in the hopes that people would do things for you. Man, I sure hope so-and-so does that. I mean, I went out of my way to do this for them. So, I mean, the golden rule, if they were using that, would, you know, they would do that for me. You know, it's not a tit-for-tat kind of thing. It doesn't work that way, all right? That's not the motivation. Uh, that's not what he's saying here. As we pursue Jesus, he actually begins to reveal ways in which we can bless other people. Right? We're going to end on a challenging note again, so sorry about that. A lot of times in life in general, we're living, we're doing these things, and all these kind of thoughts will pop in our head. I mean, man, it would be great if I had this. It would make life so much easier if I had this, or if this thing was changed. Or we have all this kind of narrative going on of all these things that would be great if my life had these things, or if this was different about this situation. And that's fine. But what if God is working in you through your kind of, not even that it's selfish, but sometimes it is, desires for things as a way to bless other people. So here's what I'm going to challenge you with. Every time in this next week where you come up with something in your head that be like, man, I wish I had this, or I wish that person would do that, pray and see how you can actually make that happen for somebody else. Right? I'm driving my truck, and I'm going, I really wish I didn't have to drive my truck again with that big old bird mess on the windshield. Like, it's there, it's been there for like three weeks, and it's just, it's, it's driving me crazy. Let me go wash my neighbor's car. I'm just going to go wash their car, you know, because that's going to bless them. I wish somebody would wash my car, you know, so I'm just going to go over there, and that would be an example of that challenge. Or perhaps you're, you're thinking, I really hope somebody notices that I've served the last three weeks in church because I could use a little, yeah. Well, that little whoop, whoop, whoop. Find somebody else that's serving today and go and say, you know, I really appreciate you serving the body of Christ. It just, it's so encouraging to me, and I really appreciate that. Everything that pops into your head this week, I challenge you to see how you can turn that on its head and to do as to others as you would have them to do. And that can have a lot of different settings. Pray about how you can do that. It doesn't mean that everything that pops in your head, you have to do it, all right? Pray, use wisdom, like, okay, yeah, I could, I could absolutely bless that person. The natural tug of the flesh is toward ourself. Now, you couple that with a culture that is almost exclusively promoting self above everything else. And we can't help but pull in that direction at times. So this is a big reason why Jesus tells us to ask and keep on asking in our prayer, to seek and keep on seeking in our prayer, to knock and keep on knocking in our prayer lives. Our focus in prayer must be turned to Him consistently toward our Father that's in heaven. 
And as a result, we are positioned to be much more aware of the needs of other people. I mean, this is the hallmark of kingdom living. Doing as to others as you would have them to do. That's a hallmark of kingdom living. It's contrary to everything else that we see in our culture. But it should be the hallmark of our church, and it should be the hallmark of our lives. Would you agree with me on that? Just making sure. Last verse, promise, Luke 12, 32, is what it says. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Praise God for that. His good pleasure, he wants to give you the kingdom. He wants to see you living out that kingdom-minded, kingdom-focused Christian walk in full reliance upon him, asking, seeking, knocking. So my question to you at close is, are you a part of that flock? Are you today, this morning, a part of that flock? Let's pray. Father, I just ask, Lord, for your incredible grace this morning as we sit here and think on your word about how we are to come to you in prayer. Lord, would you just help us to be ever mindful of how reliant we need to be on prayer. Lord, I know that you, you really revealed to me this week, uh, and I pray, God, that you would help others to see as well how what we pray for really speaks a lot about our level of faith. God, would you just help us to begin to see how effective, how powerful prayer is. And how as we walk in faithfulness, as we walk in obedience, as we walk with joy in our hearts, seeking you, God, that we find you. You say in those verses after that, that the one who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks is open to them. We see you making good on your fatherly commitment to us, Lord God, but we have a responsibility as well. And we want to walk in obedience, Lord God. We want to be faithful to how we pray and how we seek you and how we love you. And then ultimately, Lord God, as our minds are focused on the things of this kingdom, Lord, that our, our hearts will be shifted to see other people as you see them, God, as opportunities to be a blessing to them, not just sitting around looking, waiting, who's going to notice what I'm doing? How, how, when is it my turn to get those accolades? God, your kingdom is about lifting others up encouraging and loving other people. And, and Lord, if we're all doing that, we don't need to seek it. Because in our community of faith and trust, we see that in action all around us. And so, Lord, I'm grateful for this family this morning, this gathering of people, Lord. I pray that each one here is in that flock, Lord. And I pray that those are not those that are on the outside looking in, going, I don't know what it is, what, what you're talking about. I'm not a part of that flock. I don't have that confidence that you have. Lord, I pray that you're stirring in those hearts right now and you're re revealing to them the sin in their lives and in the hearts that's keeping them from entering into an eternal relationship with you. They could see the call to repent and believe and to walk in faith to be redeemed, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Father, help us to be kingdom-minded in our prayer. 
that we might be kingdom-minded in our actions. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.